Welcome to the official podcast for Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization. I'm Beth, a.k.a. Triumvir Clio. Welcome to the Iliad. Have you started reading yet or listening to an audiobook? That's a great way to read it, by the way. Remember everything I said about orality in the last episode? You'll get it to full effect if you listen to an audio version. At any rate, I will be using the Richmond Lattimore translation. I really like his translations of Homer, but of course, you can use any translation you can find. And newer translations are typically more accessible linguistically, so if you're buying, I always recommend looking for someone who lived during a time period you might remember. Sometimes for fun, I ask my dad to start reciting the Iliad for me, because he actually has the first line memorized in Greek. In Lattimore's translation, it is, Sing, goddess, the anger of Peleus' son Achilles. Book one is largely an explanation of why Achilles is mad. Here's what's happened. The story opens in the 10th year of the war. Do not take this literally. Instead, take it literarily. A common narrative trope in Greek literature is that after nine, finally on the 10th. So after nine years, the war ends in the 10th year. In the Odyssey, we'll see Odysseus trying to get home for nine years and succeeding in the 10th. Doesn't mean any of this is really taking 10 years. It is a literary device. Anyway, there is this priest of Apollo named Chryses, and he has a daughter named Chryseis. She is one of a group of women who have been captured by the Greeks. Now, what you need to understand is that war booty was always distributed among the leaders, and this included the women and slaves who were captured. Yes, it's okay to feel icky about this, because it is. At any rate, Agamemnon, who is in charge of all of the Greeks, has claimed Chryseis. There's another woman named Briseis, and she was given to Achilles. Chryseis wants his daughter back and tries to ransom her, but Agamemnon is having none of it. Chryseis is understandably pissed, so he calls on Apollo to curse the Greeks. Apollo is happy to oblige. One of the things we'll see as we continue reading is that the entire pantheon has picked sides in the Trojan War. Apollo is on the Trojan side. So Apollo is happy to send a literal plague down upon the Greeks. That literary device I just talked about? Well, Apollo rains the plague down for nine days, and on the tenth day, the Greeks lobby Agamemnon to give up Chryseis. He still doesn't want to because it simply isn't fair that everyone else got to have a girl and he won't have one anymore. He decides that he'll give up Chryseis only if he can have Briseis instead. Achilles is pissed. He points out that he's the best fighter, so he should get to keep Briseis because they wouldn't have captured all of these women in the first place if it weren't for him. And maybe he should just take his toys and go home because it's clear that no one appreciates him and his ant-men. I mean, Myrmidons. Remember the Greeks are a unified nation? We see all sorts of tribes in the Iliad, the Achaeans, the Danaeans, the Myrmidons. And yes, Myrmidons translates to ant-men. The whole thing might have come to blows, but Athena comes down and stops Achilles from doing anything as stupid as killing Agamemnon. Ultimately, Agamemnon gives Chryseis back and takes Briseis, and Achilles, his BFF Patroclus, and his troops do storm off to the beach to sit and pout. Before the end of the book, we have a brief interlude involving the gods. Achilles is the son of a mortal man, Peleus, and an immortal sea nymph, Thetis. As Achilles is pouting on the beach, Thetis comes to listen to his troubles. She then goes to Zeus and asks him to intervene on Achilles' behalf. 
Zeus has been supporting the Trojans anyway, even though this means that he and Hera are on opposite sides of the war, so he agrees to Thetis' demands. So, this tenth year of the war, off to a great start. There are several themes within the Iliad that we will explore as we work our way through the book. The first theme that we see in book one is the role of honor. Agamemnon initially refuses to return Chryseis because that would reduce the honor he has received as leader of the Greeks. Achilles, too, feels dishonored when the solution is to give Briseis to Agamemnon so that Chryseis can return to her father. The second major theme in book one is fate. We see this particularly in the interaction between Thetis and Achilles. It is at this point that we learn that Achilles could have lived a long and quiet life or a short and storied life. And, well, we know his name, so we know which path he is on. But since that decision has been made, he is fated to die in this war. And even though, as you'll recall in the introductory episode, we will not see anything about Achilles' Meshuggah heel in the Iliad, the fact that he is fated to die hangs over much of this story. And this leads directly into the third major theme of book one, mortality. This is a war story. Death and mortality hang over this entire epic. We first see death addressed in Apollo's plague. The final theme I want to address today is the juxtaposition of war and peace. We will see this occur throughout the Iliad, a brutal war scene cut into what is a scene of pure domesticity. In book one, we see this in the interlude with the gods at the end. We wind up on Olympus because Thetis has gone to Zeus. You may have thought that the pose she takes is interesting. She kneels at his feet but then grabs him by the neck. This is a traditional suppliant pose. It is simultaneously one of subservience, the kneeling, and power, the grabbing by the neck, a sort of, I'm begging you for help or else. And even though this exchange leads to an argument between Zeus and Hera, the book ends with the gods having a dinner party and then everyone going to sleep, Zeus and Hera sharing their marriage bed. Sure, there is war going on down on Earth, but up on Olympus, the gods are still living their domestic lives. There are more themes that we will add as we read further, but these are the primary themes in book one. If you want to discuss anything further, the blog is open. As always, you can find the link to this episode's post in the show notes. On Monday, we'll finish the Oristia, and next Wednesday, we'll come back to the Iliad for book two. I'll talk to you then. You can join the discussion of this and everything covered in this podcast by following the link in my show notes. And if you're enjoying what you've heard so far, please consider supporting the show with a monthly donation of your choosing, just like public radio. And please also consider giving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice so that more people can discover the fun that is Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization.